0: So good. Greetings, good people. How are you guys doing? Another episode of Lifestyle Medicine here today. Today we're gonna dive into face reading a little bit more in the context of face reading in relation to Chinese medicine. Now, when we talk about this, I think a lot of times people sometimes are like, "Well, why does why do we need to talk about Chinese medicine?" Right? I don't do Chinese medicine. It's not a part of my life. And I think the idea that I'm always trying to, to to reiterate to people, that I'm trying to bring them back to, is that we all technically are engaging Chinese medicine. That, And what I mean by that is that Chinese medicine is a naturalistic philosophy, which means it looks to natural rhythms, which all human beings were dependent upon and still are to, to in most ways. Because it's a naturalistic philosophy, we're all sort of engaging in these rhythms, whether we know that or not and the the further we get from these rhythms the more out of balance we get as an organism now in the west these are ideas that are not talked about on the red on the regular and because of that we don't have an infrastructure to pull into or to understand so what i'm trying to get across to you guys is that we're all engaging in Chinese medicine. We're all engaging in natural rhythms and we can lean more into those natural rhythms or not. And my hope is that I'm able to make Chinese medicine a little bit more mainstream not because, not strictly for business purposes, but because I actually think it's beneficial for people to have an infrastructure to understand natural rhythms. We don't do it as much. Face reading is a branch of Chinese medicine. And, and what this means In this larger context is that chinese medicine is not just acupuncture and herbs it's a naturalistic philosophy that has lifestyle components it has diet herbology movement it has feng shui it has cosmology it takes into account the movement of things around us large bodies like the stars and also the closer planetary rhythms what we see from season to season day to day these things matter and they're important as do environments now, if we look at face reading in the context of Chinese medicine, one of the things they, they stipulate and one of the things that they really pushed in the theory is this. One, and this isn't the only tradition that says this, first of all, is that we are a natural extension of nature, meaning we are a part of it. We share a very real reciprocal relationship with the natural world. And again, when there was less technology we understood this considerably more in real time. We actually got and understood that that was a very real truth, especially when you were dependent on things like fire to stay warm. We have disconnected from these things, but we have to still maintain contact with them. And if we cannot get the real actual element, then we need to symbolize it. So for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you will see a salt lamp to my left over here with a curved spiraling metal sculpture. So this is how I tinker with and represent the fire element for one in my visual podcast, but also in my space while I'm working. So it's a a fiery color, curved shapes, excuse me, are water-based. The sculpture looks like metal, even though it's not, it's ceramic with a silver glaze. And I have purple light behind me, which is technically a fiery color. So part of the way my constitution runs, I have a very watery disposition, I have a lot of wood and I have a lot of metal. I've got a mixture of all the elements, we all do, but I have some that are stronger than others and one of the things I need is stimulation. I need fire, I need activity, I need social interaction, I need parties, I need to go out I have to have those things because if I don't, I get very stagnant and stuck in my world. So I play with the color spectrum, I play with these shapes, and I play with the imagery that sort of activates these things in my subconscious. Now when we look at face reading, what they're saying is this. The five elements, these five phases or five rhythms that we see in the natural world, fire, earth, metal, water, and wood, these are rhythms that are in the natural world that we were dependent upon because we are dependent upon them, and we have been for a very long time, we have a very real necessity to maintain contact with them because they are life-giving. If we can identify that idea, if we can get behind that, we start to see the value in that, okay, I need to maintain contact with these elements, but there are some cues in the physical realm of your body that point to you holding more of certain elements. So when we say that we see elements in a person, that person has a lot of fire, they have a lot of water. This isn't, this isn't an attempt to be a new age clicky cult that speaks in some weirdo language just to feel different or superior to the rest of the culture. And I think that's the pitfall with this stuff is when we start identifying, I have a lot of fire, therefore it makes me special. No, it just makes you human. We all have different allocations and proportions of these elements in our bodies. One of the things that the Chinese did was they said, look, each of these elements, fire, earth, metal, water, and wood, they have behaviors. Fire behaves very differently than water. Water behaves very differently than wood. You could say this for all of the elements. And they have a creationary and a destructive cycle. Some elements support and facilitate the other. Some elements will destroy. This is true with most things in life. There's always a relationship that we have with peers in a romantic context where things will be supported by certain people and certain people will take from us. So we have to be very clear about this, our friendships, our romantic relationships. And it's not about one person being right or wrong. It's just comes down to a question, does this person or this environment or this activity, does it nourish my natural signature? My natural, energetic imprint in the world that I came in with. How your genes are expressing, some things are going to be good for you, some things are not. And we're all different, and we have to give each other room to find this spectrum of how we plug in uniquely to our life path, to our life terrain, so that we can optimize our physiology, optimize our mindset, and naturally and gracefully fall into the things that we are naturally good at, that support us, are good for us, and will contribute, hopefully, something to the world. So all of these things being said, the Chinese said each of these elements has a behavior and a rhythm. What they noticed is that some people and their emotional spectrums, they started over thousands of years, they started allocating these traits into, say, the fire spectrum. People that talked very fast, people that were highly animated, that smiled, that got a lot of wrinkles and were very quick moving in their thought and action were said to be fiery. They, they, they would say this person has a pre a predisposition towards the fire rhythms because fire is unpredictable. It's quick. The tips of a, of a fire, if you watch it you know on a, on a campfire, it's very fast, right? And it, it disappears quickly. It changes shape. The wind can um, make it grow considerably faster. So this is the idea is that if we identify these things in our body, we understand this person has a lot of fire. So too much water might extinguish them, but they're also going to need other things. right? They're going to need the next element in the cycle or whatever. And maybe you guys can hear my baby girl knocking on the door. So it's just what it is. I'm not going to let her in, but hopefully it doesn't interrupt you guys too much. But in any case, the idea is, hey, baby, I'm on a podcast, baby. I'm recording, so I can't play right now. I love you. (laughs) So anyway, the idea is each of us have these rhythms. Each of us have this predisposition towards certain elements. So what the Chinese started to notice was, okay, this person, through their behaviors, they have a lot of an element, or a lot of two elements, or maybe three, and maybe less so of other elements. What they started to notice was, hey, the fiery people consistently seem to have these type of facial features. These people that are very wood-like and have a lot of wood rhythms also have these facial features. And again, Chinese were very pragmatic in their approach, very observatory in their timelines. They would just say from generation to generation, take note and observation, and the next generation would look at the notes and say, hey, they were saying this, maybe we should just see if that rhythm holds true in this generation. And then when it would, they would document it and start to feed that theory, start to feed that idea. The ones that didn't probably fell off by the wayside. So there's something about very real trial and error to the method of Chinese medicine and to all these older traditions because there was no technology to store it. We didn't have computers. We didn't have data. We didn't have all these things to put you know, nanotechnology chips into computers and store the information. We didn't have that. All we had was oral tradition you know, writing tools, and they would just go back and forth doing this. So I think the thing to keep in mind with all of this stuff, with all of Chinese medicine, is that remember that the method is like that. Trial and error and observation. And don't see theory, the stuff that I'm sharing, don't see this as the end-all, be-all, absolute thing. I don't think you guys see it that way. I really don't. I think it's far out there enough that people are like, "Hold, hold up. I'm going to take this with a grain of salt to begin with, but think of it like that. Just All the theory is saying is that for thousands of years, we noticed some consistency. We noticed some consistencies and patterns that we documented that were often accurate. That's what it's saying. So Chinese medicine at its core should not be taken as immovable dogma or divine order that cannot budge and cannot move. It's observations of what consistently was observed. And if you can keep that mindset, that keeps the evolution of Chinese medicine or of anything that you're doing in life organic and free-flowing. And it's adaptable then. And that's what we're looking at now. Chinese medicine is going to look different now. There are some truths probably that are still true for the human organism, but how we adapt and use the medicine is going to be different in modern times because the stressors are completely different and the speed at which we are growing technologically is very different. So, All of this stuff, okay, is just sort of priming you guys to understand that face reading is an extension of this. And when we look at people's facial features, this is what primes us to understand that when we look at a face, we can see elemental proclivities. We can see rhythms that a person is going to carry. Are they totally static and immovable? Absolutely not. That's not life. It never is. And that's where the the danger comes in from all of this stuff. When people get into psychic readings and tarot and all of this stuff, or astrology, or anything that is of what you would call divination to a degree, where people are trying to look and potentially see ahead a little bit. And like, how do we cut the corners? How do we maybe not get into as much trouble as we have in the past? That's what this stuff is about. So think of it as a tool, not as an absolute magic that doesn't move. It's an art and science that has been blended, but it needs to be adaptable. So when we look at people's faces, we start to see these rhythms. We start to say, ha-ha. Okay, pattern says, the patterning rhythms that we've seen means that this person is probably, not definitively, but probably predisposed to these things. And with that, there are some lifestyle rhythms that you can take that are probably gonna be good for you. So this is why I'm always trying to, I'm trying to explain this stuff so that people have a buy-in factor to understand and embrace the idea of face reading. It's not, it's not psychic fortune telling, that's not what it is. It's a systematic approach to look at patterns that have been consistently true, some cool parallels that they've seen over many generations, and how do we use that now? So one of the things I like to invite you into if you're thinking about taking up a session with me or working with me is using face reading and understanding a few basic ideas. One I already mentioned, which is the five elements are in nature and therefore the five elements show up in people. And what this establishes is that we have a reciprocal relationship with the world around us. We should pay attention to it because they feed one another. If we can touch these elements, they're good for us. The next one, in addition to that, is that face reading, okay, at its, at its simplest terms has this idea behind it. Form and function relate. Form and function matter. Now, all of us can, can do this in, in the most organic sense if we think about... The animal kingdom. And this is one of the key points I think for the buy-in factor to embrace face reading to a degree. We can all agree that animals are built very differently. Organisms across the animal kingdom and insect kingdom are built completely different and they can do just this plethora of diverse function, what we call biodiversity. The shape of a tiger, the shape of a monkey, the shape of a rat, fish, Dolphins, whales, skunks, giraffes, elephants, you name it, dogs. They're all built very different. And their form definitely points to things they do in the natural world. It's, I mean, it's, it's very basic if you think of it like that. The, the shape of an animal is usually going to point to something that they do. That's not a radical idea. It's very common sense if you open yourself to this idea. So the same thing is true for human beings. We have some consistent patterning, correct? We have, most of us, as long as we're not physically deformed, we have, you know, a certain amount of toes and fingers, and we have two legs, we have two arms, we have a skull, we have a spine, we have a rib cage, we have a certain size brain. And we have very different facial features, person to person. And so one of the other ideas that they look at and they use in Chinese medicine, given that everything is holographic and everything, a small piece piece of anything is going to represent a larger piece of the whole. We see this in uh, fractal mathematics when we look at fractals and we see a small pattern that replicates over and over and over again into something larger. We see this in a lot of different ways, but one of the each in Chinese medicine there are like five primary micro Which is one is the face. You can you can kind of assess the entirety of a person because all of the organ function and everything shows up on the face. You can do it in the hands. So there's a whole you know lineage and and course of study in palmistry. In the West, not so much palmistry per se, but and I, I wish I could remember the term for this, but some of you may know the study of the analysis of handwriting. FBI profilers do that. They look at the handwriting style of, say, serial killers and try to find commonalities. It's doing the same thing, and no one bats an eye at that, but if if you start looking at faces or saying, you know, another area of the body or a different avenue, you apply that to a different area, people just dismiss it as new-age bullshit, and that's really unfortunate. So try not to think of it like that. Think that if the FBI is profiling through handwriting, Maybe, thousands of years, the Chinese were looking at what, what else on the body can we profile? Maybe not just handwriting. So the face is one microsystem. The ears, which is if any of you have had acupuncture, you've had auricular, what they call ear acupuncture, because every organ system can be found on the ear as well. The hands and the feet, which is the basis of reflexology. So if you've seen a reflexology chart, you'll see all the various organ correspondences on the foot. This part relates to the kidneys. This part relates to digestion. And how did that happen? Thousands of years of just pushing buttons, pushing spots on the feet. So, you know, Bob, does your you know does your stomach hurt? Yeah, well, if I press on this part of your foot, do you feel some relief? Yeah, it gets about 10% better. Wonderful, write that down. Maybe there's more to it. Fast forward 5,000 years, and you've got some sizable data. So the face is a microsystem. It's one of the areas where we can see a lot of the body function. And I've said this before in other talks, and if I'm repetitive, I apologize, but it's good to hear these things again. Western medicine will acknowledge that if you have jaundice, your skin and your face turn yellow. Something is happening in the coloring of your face and is pointing very specifically to an organ imbalance. People who have had dialysis and when kidney function is just being severely taxed, they get dark under the eyes. When people get, um, when they don't get enough sleep, we get dark under the eyes. Color changes in the face means something. If someone is beat red through the cheeks, often this is a sign of rosacea, which can be a, a, you know, a vasculature problem, or high blood pressure, which can be a liver or heart problem. So it's not that far-fetched to start looking at the face and paying, to these, paying attention to these sensitivities and these, these nuances and trying to make sense of it. So this was always fascinating to me in, in the context of Chinese medicine, because I thought, what a powerful tool. And moreover, everybody face reads. Everybody. We all do it all the time. I have an ongoing exercise in my face reading classes where I teach. I put up six pictures. And I, I have three men, three women. And I ask various different questions about each one. And I, I put up and I say, okay, if you were to guess which of these is the fighter, who do you think it'd be? Without question, everybody always defaults to the same guy out of that lineup of six. And I said, why? And the invariable answer everyone says is, well, he looks tough. W- what makes him look tough? Well, he's got a really square jaw. He's got sort of a, what looks like a, a maybe a, a perma-grimace on his face. He's permanently sort of grimacing. They've got a few other things. They say, but he just looks tough. Something about it, something about the facial features reads as tough and resilient. So no one can make sense of it, but we all do this. Some of us have met someone and say, that person just looks sweet. They look nice. That person looks friendly. That person looks pissed off. That person looks tough. I wouldn't want to pick a fight with him. We've all said these various things. Before I was into face reading, before I was a quote unquote face reader, I was in Santa Cruz and I was, I was um, applying for um, a house. So I was basically going, and I, I went up to the house. It was in Aptos, California, which is just south of Santa Cruz a little bit. I walked up and the woman opened the door and she was a, an older lady and she had grandkids running around and stuff and I was going to take the back unit. And she opened the door and the first thing she said, she said, what a great face. I like your face. I trust you just because of your face. And we all laughed. My mom was with me. It was hilarious. And we all kind of laughed. And... Sure enough, I ended up living there. And she told me later, you know, a year after living there, she said, there's something about your face. I just trusted it. Now, I'm not saying I have a magical face. What I'm saying is that type of thing we all do, she just happened to to lean into it and, and really trusted it. And the relationship was very easy and natural. And as a side note, when I asked, she's like, okay, I think you guys should, you should take it. I said, well, do you want a first and last month's rent? No. Do you want me to sign a you know, a lease of any kind, month to month, year lease? No. I said, do you want a background check? Like, you want to see my credit, anything? No. And I said, well, well, like, what do you want me to do? She's like, I just want you to, I just want you to pay. And I said, well, I can do that. And she goes, I know. I did. She's like, I trust you. For some reason, I trust you. And it was just all about her reading my face and trusting it, which was really cool. It's never happened again, by the way. But it was an awesome one-time thing. The point is, we all face read. Don't delude yourselves. Don't sell yourselves short in saying that you don't face read. Entrepreneurs do it. Business owners do it. Cops do it. Children do it. Every person from every walk of life is face reading in some capacity, but we're not fully conscious of it usually. It's mostly instinctual, and it's also informing our decisions. Okay. How many of you? I always say, if you had to, you know, um, if you had to leave your child with somebody in an emergency situation. Like it was a life or death situation, and you gotta pick. Like, okay, who am I gonna who am I gonna leave my kid with? Chances are you're gonna be heavily going off of what that person looks like, especially in the face. What do I feel from their eyes? Do they make good eye contact? Do they have features that intuitively feel nurturing and safe? We're probably not gonna pick the hardened, weathered, squinty-eyed guy, you know, that that, that makes you know evasive eye contact. We're probably gonna pick someone who looks sweet, nice and friendly and nurturing and well you could say well I don't know how to do that and that's just all bullshit maybe but if it came down to it I'm pretty sure your instincts would kick in and you would be picking someone that's on the spectrum of you know friendly friendly and nice and to say that we don't know how to do that it's problematic so there's a couple key points here I'm trying to give you guys an overview on why face reading matters, a way to look at it so that you can embrace it, you can understand it, and really think about the deeper layers of why this is important in your life. Now, when people work with me, one of the things I do is I say face reading is the portal of entry to work with me. And what I mean is this. If people come to me and they're like, "Gray, I don't fully know what you do which is partially my fault because maybe I'm not explaining it well. And two, if they don't know but they want to learn more, I say, look, the place we need to start is face reading. Let me look at your face. Let me look at thousands of years of patterning of patterning and organic facial recognition. Let me look at your face. Let me take some notes. And let me, let me see if there is some common threads that are accurate for you. This is kind of what the theory says. You tell me. Does that fit? And if it does, great. And if it doesn't, great. I learned something new and it's it proves that the system is, in, is not infallible, right? It's not about being perfect or right all the time and predicting the future. It's about saying, okay, well, usually this is the case, but is that true for you? No? All right, good. That means there's some fluctuation to the system as it should be. That's life in general. So if we can get to this place though, and we can, and we can, People can embrace that. That's that's why it's important for me to to work with their face first. I said, "Look, let me look at your face. Let me see what the rhythms I can identify, and from there, as I probe a little bit, and we get into that, and usually they're pretty accurate. You know, usually that the mark is above seventy percent. I would say, in terms of these these patterns. Once we get there, then we can build out the wheelhouse for for your lifestyle guidance. Okay, I don't. I don't, people, you know, people have described me, they're like, oh, Gray's a life coach. I'm definitely not a life coach. I'm not there to pep talk you on the side and to like get you inspired and fired up. And I'm not, I'm. Not, you know, a coach is, is really encouraging you on the sidelines and sort of cheering you on. That's not what I do at all. So, um, I mean, you could argue that it's semantics, but what I do is lifestyle guidance. It's sort of like a like a friend walking up the mountain with you and describing, you know, like the different paths you can take and seeing which, you know, and by looking at your face, which paths might be a little more optimal for you. So it's guidance for sure, you know, mentorship, you know, at best, but definitely not coaching. I can't, I can't put myself into that category. And the, the, the idea is this, you guys, if we look at this, okay, and I get people to work with me, face reading first, then from there, okay, once we can identify the elemental proclivities, we can identify the likely, Aptitudes and strengths that you inherently carry, based off of your face, then it's a custom-tailored approach to these other aspects, the other wheelhouses that I take people through. So when I when I look at people's faces and I do a face reading, the services might stop right there, and that's fine. Some people are like, I just want the face reading. I just want to hear about myself. But if they decide to work with me in a in a deeper capacity. That's, at least that's the part I, re- I really enjoy because it's like, okay, now we've looked at your face and I've given you an overview, but what does that mean in relation to, say, eating? What does that mean in relation to seasonal rhythms for you? What does that mean in terms of when are you strongest or weakest during the course of the year? What does that mean in terms of styles of movement? How much movement you need? What does that mean about the shaping of your external environment? What does that mean about the geography you live in? Maybe you need to live closer to creeks and to smaller bodies of water. Maybe you're more of an ocean person. Maybe you're a mountain person. Maybe you're a dense wooded forest person. Maybe you like to live in the desert, like Sedona or somewhere like that. So we start looking at these things. Feng shui, the external environment around you, the movement that you engage in, the food you eat, and the style of meditation or the style of mindfulness that's going to be most optimal for you. And that's why face reading is so pivotal because it gives you an orientation as you as the centerpiece, very specifically. Let me look at your face and everything, all those other wheelhouses, all those other pillars are going to be predicated on what your face looks like, straight up. That's, that's about as cut and dry as you can get with how I approach, you know, my, I don't want to say my version of Chinese medicine, but the way I plug into Chinese medicine is just like this. And it's one way to do it. Chinese medicine. If you're an acupuncturist and that's your primary branch of the medicine that you are engaging upon, they take pulses. They listen to both sides, and by putting their three fingers right above or right near the the wrist crease, right here, for the people watching on YouTube, both sides, and from there they listen to various organ systems, the the quality and the tensile strength and the the impact of the um, of the pulse strength. They can re, they can deduce a lot of different things from that. Looking at your tongue, the shape if there's teeth marks, if it's puffy, if it's red, if it has a thick white coat, all of these things point to organ system rhythms. So whatever branch of Chinese medicine that a a practitioner is in, whatever their spectrum is, they're going to have tools of assessment. So for me, my specialty, what I gravitate towards is what they call yangsheng. Yangsheng means life nourishment. So when when you go to Chinese medicine school primarily, like a a, a lot like a Western doctor because a lot of mainstream acupuncture schools have been kind of westernized in the way they teach it, which is the treatment of pathology and disharmony. It's how do you treat the sickness? How do you turn the symptoms off? And I feel like if you're a good Chinese medicine practitioner, you're, you're definitely trying to get to the root To resolve it and not just trimming the branches, you're trying to go down into the root system and finding out where the ailment is. That's the goal, but sometimes that gets lost. Sometimes it just gets into very cookbook Chinese medicine where you're using a point prescription from a book to turn symptoms off. That's great sometimes, but again, you know, to each his own. I'm not here to to judge or anything. Point prescriptions definitely work if you're you're a person who uses them. The point is, we're all going to have these patterns and tools of diagnostics. I do yangsheng, and what that means is life nourishment as opposed to me focusing on the treatment of pathology or disease I give the tools via face reading I give people the tools to say okay here's what you're naturally good at and the more you nourish these things and the more you lean into these things the easier life is going to get for you because we are supposed to engage that which we are we have natural strengths we have natural aptitudes everybody has them People get hung up on this idea that if they're not an amazing artist or they're not an amazing dancer or they're not the best athlete, that they don't have talents. We all have talents. And some of the talents take all shapes and sizes. People sometimes are gifted with physical touch. They might have amazing hands when they, when they, when they work on someone if they're a body worker. Some people might be highly articulate. Some people might be highly persuasive in, in, in specific contexts or settings. All of these things go to talent. I have never met a talentless person in my life that I've that I've spent any time with proximity. You can't tell really from you know a, a short interaction, but if people that I've met and I've spent time with, everybody has aptitudes and strengths. And the idea through face reading is that you can identify these things, nourish those things, and as you nourish them, the natural signature in which you are gets easier. So imagine if you know, as as a as a metaphor, as like a little thought experiment. Think of a, a like a a gibbon, you know, a gibbon monkey was living. Actually, I forget, are gibbons are they part of the Greater Ape family? Maybe someone could answer that for me. I think they're monkeys. But if, if a gibbon was living with a tribe of tigers and, and you know, the tiger cubs and the monkey had grown up so they weren't, you know, the tiger wasn't trying to kill the monkey, and that monkey was trying to mirror or was trying to live the way the tigers do, trying to bring down big game with its little skinny body <laughs> and flimsy arms, think about the eternal struggle that monkey would go through, and it would likely get injured or killed in the animal kingdom. So if we think of ourselves like that, we have to align with our, first of all, like-minded people, what I call my, you know, my folk, even though they're not blood-related, but people that are, that are kindred that are like-minded. You have to align with that in your social circles. And then you've also got to align with the natural aptitudes that you carry. And if you don't know what they are, I can help you find them. And we all have to find them. That's, you know, I think life has a very real impact on us and life can be traumatizing and just demoralizing as all hell. And that's true for everybody. It's, it can be incredibly demoralizing, but trauma and this is not an original saying, I've heard this many times, you know, trauma is not your fault, but healing and resolving that is your responsibility if you want to be a stable person in society and in your life and for your family and for your kids. You've got to take steps forward. You, you cannot spend time, of, of course you can, but I wouldn't encourage you to spend time feeling sorry for yourself or how you've been wronged or 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 any of those things. It's terrible, it's sad, really shitty things happen to very good people and you've got to feel that pain you got to be with it feel the rage feel the anger and then from there move forward healing is your responsibility and so for me in my life part of my aptitudes is i, I converse relatively well with people i usually have a pretty good eye for supporting people in some way and sometimes that's bitten me in the ass. Sometimes people don't want solutions, and um, you know that's a lesson I'm learning, <laughs> like definitely as I get older, that you just have to shut the fuck up sometimes and just listen to people. And um, I think I'm a pretty good listener. But the point of all this is, is that I've realized that these are some of my strengths. And I'm visual. I'm a visual artist, which means I'm very, very drawn to visual acuity. I like beautiful environments. I like beautiful artwork. Things of beauty move me and I always have, and it gets me fired up, and it gets me very creative, and it gets me thinking. So as a result, in the spectrum of Chinese medicine, I sort of aligned with the visual acuity aspect of Chinese medicine. Feng Shui, environments, beautiful spaces, how does that affect our psychology, looking at faces. All all of these things are very much visually oriented. And so again, this has been really um, driven home to me in the course of face reading, in the study of face reading. As I studied face reading and got hip to all of these things, It has helped me so much in terms of where I've decided to focus my energy fully in Chinese medicine. And that's why this matters, you guys. This is how face reading relates to Chinese medicine for one, but also specifically to your life. If you can get behind the idea that a culture has spent thousands of years identifying some consistent patterns, are you open to the idea that maybe some of these age-old traditional patterns may still apply to you? If you say, yeah, I can get behind that idea, then great. You know, I, I'm I'm the type of person you can reach out to. Uh, if I'm not your cup of tea, you can pick out, you know, some other Chinese medicine practitioner. But I encourage people to look at it like this, okay? if you can If you can sort of get your mind primed into that space and say, yeah, maybe I can pick up some of these rhythms. Maybe thousands of years of knowledge and people and tradition and culture maybe picked up a few gems along the way. If you can get to that place, great. If you can't, then, you know, Good luck on your journey, truly. You know, I mean, like you don't have to go that way. People live very good lives without ever touching this information. And I honestly, truly believe not everyone is supposed to go this route. Not everyone is supposed to look into the deeper layers and try to feel the subtleties and the nuances of life. They really aren't. Some people are meant to just bulldoze and go through. And that's what they were, you know, designed to do. I just am not one of them, <laughs> so so I I try to facilitate and open the doorway for people to um, to look at the nuances, look at the sensitivities in life. They do allude to something, and if that speaks to you, I'm definitely your guy to work with. So I hope this finds you guys well. If you guys want um, if you want a face reading from me, you can visit my website at omnihealthandlifestyle.com, and it's a 75 minute consultation. You end up. Leaving or what you get at the end of the session is a is a visual PDF file that I lay out talking about um, your facial features, what it means for you, sort of a recap of what we talked about. So you sort of have a template um, from there to move forward. And if you guys are so stoked and primed after the face reading, that's where the lifestyle guidance comes in, where I work with people for, for months at a time. Um, sometimes longer, depending on the person how how deep they want to go. But that's sort of the approach. So if you guys want to reach out to me, please do. You can ask questions uh, on YouTube, you know, post them on Facebook, pretty much anywhere you would like to to find um, you know, if you want to get a hold of me and find answers regarding this stuff any of those are fine. So if you guys have not hit the like and subscribe button, please do be sure to hit that bell notification. If you guys want to stay up to date on the content that I'm producing and anything within the spectrum of Omni Health and Lifestyle or this podcast, Lifestyle Medicine. Thanks so much, you guys. Take care.